life for you. Full of John chapter 16. I want to read verses 12 and 13 of chapter 16. And verses 37 and 8 of chapter 18. I'd like for you to find that place with me. Jesus is in conversation with his disciples and says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Now verses 37 and 38 of 18. Pilate therefore said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. What is truth? It's obvious that Pilate was not seeking an answer when he posed that question because he just turned on his heels when he asked it and went out. Somebody said that he was really expressing an attitude of disillusionment as though he were saying, what is truth? There's no use to look for it. You won't be able to find it. There's no use to talk about truth or you won't be able to find it anyway. Some of you perhaps have that same cynicism. I have heard some of you say, well, who can you believe anyway? You can't believe half what you hear, half what you see. Who can you believe what is truth? Well, there is truth. Sometimes we really don't want to know the truth. If I ask you how do I look, I may not be asking for you to answer, you know, the truth. I may be really wanting you to tell me what I want to hear. And sometimes truth is too costly. And so I say to you, you just tell me what you want me to hear and I'll accept that because I don't have the time or the energy to find out for myself. But there is truth and Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, into the truth. Now, I think it's important that we get a definition to the question, what is truth, before we go any farther. Truth is the reality that lies behind appearance. Truth is reality that lies behind appearance. And in everything in life, in life, in every compartment of life, there is an appearance. 
in everything you encounter and do, there is an appearance and there is a reality that lies behind the appearance. Now sometimes the reality and the appearance are the same, but many times they're not. Somebody reminded me this morning that the appearance of that wall is that it's solid, but it's not. There is a reality that lies behind the appearance and science, science knows that that is not what it appears. If it, if it operated on the basis of appearance, we'd still be living in the dark ages. In everything in life, there is an appearance and there is a reality that lies behind it. Now Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into the truth that lies behind the appearance. And that, my friend, I'm convinced, may be the most vital aspect of living the Christian life, is to find the truth, find the reality that lies behind the appearance. Now, how's he gonna do that? Well, the answer is in verses 12 and 13. He said, I have a lot of things to tell you that I cannot tell you now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will tell you and he'll speak only what he's heard. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes in order to tell us the truth that lies, the reality that lies behind appearances. So if I can grasp, if I can understand, if I can, if I can tune in on what God is trying to tell me, then I can lay hold on the reality that lies behind appearance. And I'm convinced that God has designed us in order that he might speak to us. And he lives in our heart for one reason, and that reason is that he might speak to us, that he might talk to us. And so if he talks to me and tells me what lies behind the appearance, I've got my hands on reality. I have found the truth. And that might be the key to living the Christian life. It's meditation. You know what meditation is? It's God's interpretation of the appearance. If I can just get a hold of God's interpretation of the appearance. You see, our problem in, in life is not the problem that confronts us, but our interpretation of the problem. And so often, we interpret the things that happen to us on the basis of our opinion, our understanding of that, when there is a reality that lies behind that, that the Holy Spirit leads me to understand. Now, I believe there are five components to this matter of learning how to listen to God. And if I learn how to listen to God, if I can tune in on God, I can get the truth. And I believe there are five components to that. I want you to mark them down if you want to. Number one, there is an object of our attention. There has to be an object of our attention. Something that gets our attention. It might be a problem. It might be some scripture. What does this scripture mean to me? That's the object of my attention. Now anybody can understand what the Bible says. Not everybody can understand what the Bible means. Did you know that a pagan can understand as well as a believer what the Bible says? The difference between a pagan and a believer who has learned how to listen to God is this. 
The believer who has learned how to listen to God understands what the Bible means and how the Bible can be applied to his life every day. The pagan does not. Now, you may know what the Bible says, but do you know what the Bible means? That's what 1 John 2.20 means when it says that you have an anointing, the Holy One, and you know that's a, that's a fulfillment of John 14 when Jesus said, I'm going to send another helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all things. The, the word sin means anointed one. So, so, so Jesus is giving us the promise that John says is fulfilled. We have the Holy Spirit within us who interprets the scripture's meaning to us. You don't have to have anybody to tell you what it means. You have the author of the book who tells you what it means. The object of, the, of my attention is the scripture. And the Holy Spirit teaches me the reality that lies beyond the appearance. It might be some teenage child that's giving you some grief, some heartache. That's the object of your attention. And the appearance might be that that teenager is rebellious and insolent and self-centered when the reality that lies behind that might be something entirely different. And if you can understand what lies behind the appearance, you know how to deal with that problem. So you have an object of attention. There is a second component. Ask God for insight. Ask God for insight. This is what James says. And if in the process any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, he has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty and he may be quite certain, he may be sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him. Now let me give you the tidbit paraphrase of that passage from James. If you don't know the answer to the question, ask somebody who does. Now that's pretty profound and pretty simple. If you don't know the answer to the question, ask somebody who does. Now let me, let me ask you, who knows more answers than the Father? I've got a financial crisis in my life. Who has better advice and counsel and guidance concerning my financial counsel, my, my financial crisis, than the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and who says the silver and gold is mine? You have the author of the book. If you want to know the answer to the question, ask the one who has the answer. That is the Lord himself. Ask God for insight. Third component. Now we're working our way down through these. Third component. God gives insight. God gives insight. Now here's where the problem comes. I don't have any problem with the first two. I've got some things that are objects of my attention. I mean, they control my thought life day and night. They've become worries. They're just like giants looming out in my life. I, they're the object of my attention. And I have asked God for answers concerning, give me insight concerning those things that loom up here big in my life. And God gives insight, but I have a problem understanding what God is trying to tell me about it. And so do you. I mean, you talk about clogging up the conduit 
that leads from God's mind to mine, there are a lot of things that are barriers that have to be overcome before I can understand what God's trying to tell me. Now Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come, he's gonna tell you what I would have told you had I been here. But I have a hard time understanding what he's trying to tell me for several reasons. One is fear. It's hard for me to hear God when there's all this fear clanging around on the inside of me. Now, sometimes I have this fear. I fear what God's gonna tell me. Now, isn't that true? There's some of you here this morning who can identify with that. You're afraid to ask God for insight because you're afraid of what he'll tell you. Now, there are some things in my life that I don't mind asking God his insight on, his wisdom on, to give me reality to that, that there are some things in my life I wouldn't dare ask God for insight. I'm afraid of what he'd tell me. Isn't that true for some of you? You can identify with that, can't you? Shake your head like that. That's right. God told me one time, he said, Preacher, he said, I've been doing a lot of reading, and he said, I, 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 I've been listening to people. He said, I think I've got cancer. He said, I'm just certain I have cancer. He said, I, feel these, I felt these lumps under my arm. He said, I've got some in my neck. And he said, I've had low-grade fever. He said, I felt bad. He said, I am fearful that I have cancer. I said, have you been to a doctor? He said, no. I said, well, why don't you go to a doctor, man? He said, I'm afraid of what he'll tell me. I'm afraid of what he'll tell me. I said, I don't know a single doctor that would tell you anything just to hurt you. If he told you that you needed surgery immediately, he wouldn't be telling you that just so he could see you suffer lying flat on your back helpless. He would tell you that because he thought surgery would save your life. Now you go to a doctor and you listen to what he says. Some, some of us are afraid if we ask God for insight, he'd say no. And I want this thing so badly, I want this so badly that I'm willing to go on and choose to do that and to get that rather than ask God if I should get it or have it because I'm afraid that if I ask him, he'd say no. And some of us are fearful that we'll make the wrong decision. There have been a lot of people have said to me, well, how do I know if I start asking God for insight how do I know that that's really God's voice talking to me? How do I, I might, that might be the devil talking to me. That might be just my desire talking to me. How do I know that it's God telling me this? Well, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I'm gonna get to that in a minute, but, but that is a legitimate fear. The fear that if we ask God, that what we hear from God may not be God might be somebody else, might be Satan. And that fear is intensified by the fact, now watch this, that for every time God speaks to your mind, there is always following that a conflicting and contradictory voice, every time. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, you must not eat of this tree or you will die. That was the voice they heard from God. The very next voice was this voice that said, oh, you're not going to die. For every time God speaks to the mind and heart, there is always a conflicting, contradictory voice. 
You remember when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened up. It says, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The next voice he heard was this voice saying, if you're the son of God, why are you hungry? And you haven't understood the temptations until you understand that Jesus was being tempted at the point of trusting God and trusting God's voice. That's called a vain imagination. You've read in the Bible, it talks about the vain imagination. A vain imagination is the devil's interpretation that comes to your mind immediately after you hear from God. There's a fear. There's a second barrier, and that is the, the, the barrier that comes when I do not respond immediately to God. Not too long ago, I discovered that this passage from James, and I, I, I discovered this, that I could ask God about anything, and God give me an answer. And so I decided I'd do that. I got this passage from James chapter one, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I got out on my knees concerning a problem. I put my finger on that verse, and I said, Lord, I'm asking, I'm asking for an answer right there. And the first thing that came to my mind, that's what I got up and did. I believe that you have to respond immediately to what you feel from God. Now, if it's not the right thing, God will let you know about it later. Isaiah said, your, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, what Isaiah was saying is you've got to start out and if it's the wrong direction, if it's the wrong path, God will tell you about it later. But that immediate obedience is essential. One specific requirement from, for, for learning to hear from God is to respond to God immediately. Now some of us like to, you know, we want to take some time to get it confirmed. So we go ask somebody, well, this is what I believe you think it's right. And they say, well, if they say, well, I think it's right, then we, we go and do it. Or we want to get it confirmed from God's word. I heard, a man, I heard a man say one time, give his testimony. He said, I began to try to learn how to hear from God. And every time God would speak to my mind, I'd want to go to his word, see if I get it confirmed. And one day God said to me, you don't need to get what I said confirmed by my word. You already have my voice. And sometimes we don't respond immediately because we don't plan to respond or obey in the first place. Now, isn't that true? We go to God and we ask God for insight, but we don't intend to obey when we ask Him. Now, let's suppose you have a teenage child who comes to you and says, Dad, I need some guidance and counsel on this matter. Would you help me to know what I should do? And, and, and you say, to, well, I think you should do this, son. This is what I, this is what I believe to be the right thing. Oh, man, Wow, that's, that's not cool. I'm not going to do that. And the next day that child comes to you and he says, Dad, I need some counsel. I need some help and some wisdom in this matter. I'm really dealing with a question. And you say, well, let me, let me see if I can help you there. And they, he analyzes it. You analyze it. You say, well, son, I think you should do this. He, well, hey, I'm not going to, no way what I'm not going to do that. How long is it going to take before you say to that son who comes to you, I'm not going to give you any more guidance and wisdom or insight because you're not going to do what I tell you anyway. How long is it going to take you to do that? There's a third barrier to the insight, to hearing from God. It's this. Now watch this carefully. I think this is important. God doesn't give, God doesn't speak to us if we're just going to use him. 
if we're just going to use it. I was reading from, a, from, I, from Amos not long ago and said that there's going to be a famine in the land, God speaking through Amos, a famine not of bread or of water, but of the word of God. Now when you read that, it doesn't mean that God's word was going to not be spoken in Israel any longer. What he's saying is, God's word is going to be spoken in Israel, but you're not going to be able to hear it. And when you go back and take a look at the context to cause that what caused that statement, you'll find that it was because Israel had come to the place in their spiritual religious pilgrimage where they were just using God. They were coming to church and they were saying, when is this church, when is the Sabbath going to be over so we can go out and make some more money? Do you know there's only one time when Jesus never responded to a man's question. Only one time that I know about in Scripture. There was only one time when a man spoke to Jesus that Jesus never said a word. You know who that was? It was King Herod. And during the trial of Jesus, Pilate sent Herod, sent Jesus to Herod, and, and Herod was thinking, oh, wow, he was excited because he wanted to get Jesus there so he could get Jesus to perform some magic and some miracles. He wanted to use him. So when Jesus came into the presence of Herod, Herod was prepared to use Jesus, and Jesus never said one word. Listen to me, folks. God will not speak to the man who has determined the purpose of his life is just to use God. All right, three components. An object of attention, ask God for insight. God gives insight. Third, fourth component, my response to God's insight. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write under that. My response to God's insight is my walk of faith. My walk of faith. When I hear from God, and I know that God has given me His word, His will concerning this, my response to that is my walk of faith. Now, the Bible says that we're not to walk by sight. What are we, the Bible said we're to walk by faith. That is, we're to live our life on the basis of what we hear from God. Now watch carefully. There is a marvelous New Testament illustration of that. Peter's in this boat with other disciples and a storm comes up. And they're, they're afraid for their life. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus come walking on the water toward them. And Simon Peter decides he wants to get out and walk on water. But he wants to hear from the Lord first. And so he says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come, one word. He said, come. And he heard from the Lord, Simon Peter heard from the Lord, and he crawled out of that boat, and what was he doing? He was walking by faith because he was responding on the basis of what he'd heard from the Lord. And then all of a sudden, he began to notice the winds and the waves boisterous. That is, he no longer was walking on the basis of what he heard from the Lord. He began to walk on the basis of what he saw, on the basis of appearance, and he sunk. Now, if you can get from God 
if this church, oh, if this church could all of a sudden zero in on what God's word is for us in everything and you in your individual life and we started walking on the basis of what we heard from God, not on the basis of the appearance. That's where the miracles start taking place. Now I want to say three things quickly about that. You need to respond to the Lord immediately, even if it's just a thank you, because that develops a sensitivity to God. 